our topic for this panel will be exploring childhood trauma. So Sister Leila, if you could start us off, could you define childhood trauma for us and how it can be caused? Also, how does childhood trauma manifest itself into our everyday lives? Assalamu alaikum, Sister Batul and Sheikh Mohammed, and thank you very much for that introduction. Um, so childhood trauma is something that really is very common and can happen to anybody and has happened to most of us. Generally, when we hear the word trauma, we think of some catastrophic event, abuse, war, something like that, and those are definitely things that lead to childhood trauma, but also other things such as emotional abuse, bullying, racism can all be things that lead to childhood trauma. Grief, losing a loved one, going through um, a medical condition, all of these things can lead to childhood trauma, which is one of the reasons why I say to a certain extent, we have all experienced it in some way. Now, the interesting thing that a lot of people don't know about childhood trauma is that it affects us biologically as well as psychologically. So the effects of the trauma, the emotions, the fear, the insecurities that we feel at the time, they get stored in our body physically as well as in our memory psychologically. So our body physically holds onto those feelings and our memory holds onto it as well. And what happens is that any future events, any of our senses that get triggered and reminded of these childhood traumas will then take us back to how we were feeling at that time. For example, many of you might be familiar with the flight or flight or fight response that your body goes into when you feel threatened or scared in some way. And what happens is when you've experienced trauma, it may be a year later, maybe five years later, but you will still continue to be in that state of fight or flight because your body has not learned to regulate its emotions. And even though the trauma may be gone, the threat or whatever it is that might be fearful is no longer present. Your body has now trained itself to be in this permanent state of fight or flight because it's anticipating being under attack. It's anticipating being hurt in some way. And so what that does is it leads to difficulty in all of our relationships. It's very difficult to form friendships or romantic partnerships or even friendships with colleagues in the workplace or fellow students if you're in academics, because we constantly have this sense of mistrust and this feeling that something is going to go wrong or that we can't trust the environment or the people around us. So one of the main things is not being able to regulate your emotions. Now, surprisingly, another thing that people don't know is that there are many physical and medical side effects of childhood trauma. It's been linked with many autoimmune and chronic illnesses. It's been linked with the development of things like diabetes, cancer and heart disease, and obviously more mental health conditions such as post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive disorder. And so I think we really minimize the idea of childhood trauma because we think just because it may have happened in childhood, just because it may have happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, sometimes we're not aware that something that can happen 10, 20, 30 years later will 
take that person right back to that child that they were when they experienced the trauma. And it's very much to do with the senses. If you think sometimes you will be somewhere and you'll smell something or you'll hear a sound and it will take you back to a certain time in your life, that's what trauma can do. You can smell something, touch something, hear something, see someone, and it will immediately trigger those painful and traumatic memories. So it's really something that's ongoing that has both mental side effects and physical side effects. And it's very important. And I'm very glad that we're having this discussion about it. Thank you so much for that beautiful answer. Uh, Sheikh Al-Hili, how does the Quran guide us to help other traumatized children heal? And how does Imam Ali show us how to face childhood trauma through his own experiences? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. My warm greeting uh, to um, uh, the respected um, sisters and all the my dear friends and uh, sisters and brothers. Salaamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. Now, of course, um, as uh, Sister Layla just eloquently mentioned, I think one of the struggles of the human being is to come to terms with their life uh, experience, especially from a childhood perspective. And uh, I think most people will want to ask why. Why have I actually gone through this? And they start to blame things. They start to blame, for example, certain individuals or where they were and certain situations that they're being. And without a shadow of a doubt, without a proper way of reflecting on it, it will have detrimental impacts in their adulthood life. And even in their spiritual progression, even in their faith, it could really shake their faith and make them uh, doubt a, a number of things. Now, when we study the biography of these holy individuals, the holy prophet, the imams, peace and blessings be upon them, the lady of light, Fatima alayhi salam, we recognize that perhaps majority of them went through some form of childhood trauma, some events that really, you know, perhaps people can relate to, but the way that they dealt with it is, is certainly important and uh, uh, inspirational for many of us. You look at Karbala, for example, there were a number of children who were there, they witnessed quite horrific scenes. You know, you look at Imam al-Baqir, who was three years of age, he was there on the 10th of Muharram on the plains of Karbala. You look at the way the Prophet of Islam peace be upon him and his family, his childhood, having lost his own father before he was born, his mother, you know, passes away when he is six, and so on. Specifically, as this is the conference of Imam Ali, um, it's interesting to look at uh, this particular holy individual, because many people who love him often remember uh, aspects to do with his life later on in adulthood. But I believe when you study the childhood of Imam Ali, you begin to appreciate what was so special about his adulthood and the excellence that he achieved in his adult life. And one of the things that Imam Ali actually went through was some traumatic experiences. Number one, when it came to him being so young, 13, 14, and having seen the Prophet being pelted constantly with stones and sticks, attacked wherever he went. For example, when they would pray behind the Prophet, they would have things thrown at them. Similarly, they were placed in this sanctions in an area known as Shu'ab Abi Talib, where food was being deprived from them, basic necessities they would not have 
at all. And uh, Imam Ali alayhi salam is as well in his youthful or childhood years lost his father as well, Abu Talib, who's the main defender of the Holy Prophet and the Muslims at that time. But what Imam Ali alayhi salam did, I think, and this requires much more discussion, but very, very briefly, he, number one, was given a lot of support by the Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, and there was a deep connection between the Prophet and Imam Ali alayhi salam. So he had someone to turn to, he had someone to kind of rely on as well. So the Prophet would always be there for him. But at the same time, what the Prophet did as well was give him initiatives, was give him some kind of activities or things to himself lead. So that would keep him as well engaged, uh, active, you know, wants to achieve things, constantly positive reinforcement. So uh, for example, the arrangement of this famous declaration of the Prophet uh, when he gathered his family members did you know that it was Imam Ali, who was 13 years of age, was given a responsibility to cook for 40 people, right? And to invite those 40 people. Imagine a 13-year-old cooking for 40 people. I know there are many 13, 14-year-olds today who will struggle in frying an egg. But when it came to Imam Ali, he was tremendously, you know, given that major responsibility. And therefore, that helped him, you know, grow his personality, grow his uh, particular position when it came to the Prophet of Islam and the Prophet of Islam knew exactly how to nurture that personality to give him self-esteem and self-confidence. Thank you. That was beautiful. Uh, the final question for, to, for this panel will be, uh, how can we heal ourselves from our childhood trauma? I would love to hear from both of you, but let's start with Sister Leila. Thank you. I think, honestly, the first step is what we are doing here now, which is talking about and acknowledging the fact that childhood trauma exists. As many of us know, in many, many cultures, the standard practice is don't talk about it, don't mention it, you know, especially negative things, it's, or it's, it's private, it's in the family. And the fact that we can all come together and acknowledge that this is something we all go through is really the first step. So as um, the Sheikh said, the Imam Ali salam had the support system of the Prophet. So it's very important that we have a support system. Now that can be family if they're open to it, it can be friends, it can be colleagues, and it can be mental health professionals, which are available in abundance and in many different forms, whomever you feel comfortable with. So I think the first thing is naming and acknowledging the fact that you have experienced a trauma and knowing that you don't have to be defined by it. You can absolutely overcome it. And this is through spirituality. This is through mental health. This can be through medication. It can be to, through talk therapy. And there are many other alternative therapies. And because there is that physical and biological link, other things such as practicing meditation and yoga, which is obviously for us very close to prayer, uh, are all things that can also help to release the effects of trauma from your body physically. But I think the first step and the most important step is for us to be vulnerable and open and honest and share about our experiences, obviously with people that you feel safe with and having that hopeful outlook knowing that yes, this may be something that will come up and that you will struggle with, but you have many qualities and resilience to be able to overcome it and many strategies and skills that you can learn from friends, family, therapists, and coaches in order to be able to deal with the effects of this trauma comes up. 
Thank you. Uh, Sheikh Al-Hilly, do you have any words? Absolutely. And I, I'm sure as well with uh, Sasaila, if we're given an extra hour, we would fill it <laughs> with full of practical advice, I'm sure, with benefit. But here's the thing. I think one of the most important things for us as believers is understanding the ethos and the background behind why certain things happen. I have a friend who sometimes when you know he's struck with a suffering or a traumatic experience, he feels saddened, but the moment he hears others are going through it, he feels a sense of ease or some kind of understanding of the background and why it happens. And I think when you look at the philosophy that the religion of Islam has presented and the need for us to display and exhibit submission, taslim, before God the Almighty, when we're later on in adult life and we reflect upon the realization that, for example, God will only make us go through that which we can bear because he's just. So sometimes people think, oh, wow, a seven-year-old, eight-year-old, God forbid, has been physically abused or another form of, for example, childhood trauma is when people go from the eastern uh, countries to the western countries and they see some practices which, you know, becomes very difficult or Islamophobia or young girls who have to wear hijab and then they're mocked and they're ridiculed and many, many other examples. And later on, it impacts them. So people ask the question, why? Why is God making me go through this? And the more we unravel the secrets and understand the, the essence behind it. Imagine this amazing story in the Quran of Moses السلام, with Khidr involves a childhood traumatic experience because there's a 14-year-old boy who's pulled aside by Khidr السلام, who's a prophet and he's killed. And so the other children witnessed this. Musa it out outraged. Why? This 14-year-old hasn't necessarily done anything wrong. Is this just? Is this really something that can be acceptable? And I think if it was in the world of hadith, there would be many people saying, no, 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 no. I can't accept that. But the fact is in the Quran, we now have to somehow try and understand the basis behind it. So the first thing I would say in dealing with this is to ask, is to investigate, is to speak to learned individuals, to read about the justice of God, about the fact that, you know, this world is full of hardships and trials, but the real successful individual is utilizes them to as a springboard to become better and to improve and to learn from the experiences that uh, uh, necessarily they have actually gone through. The other things that I think what we have to um, somehow uh, keep in, in our minds is in addition to learning the uh, the understanding of acceptance and letting go, because the Quran says, you know, the friends of Allah are the ones who are not saddened about the past or fearful about the future. They live there now, right? So many people carry this baggage. They carry these experiences, understandably, because it's a traumatic experience. And when they see others going through it, it may remind them of what they have actually uh, um, uh, gone through. But the 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 Islamic recommendation in this particular regard, in addition to what was mentioned about getting support and understanding why uh, certain things happen, is to appreciate that uh, these things happen in life in order for us to be able to progress. They're a springboard for our excellence. And the other thing I think what we have to do is to uh, replace the bad habits with good ones and to learn, for example, learn that these things that have happened to us in the past 
can inspire us to make sure that, for example, doesn't happen to others. So sometimes people, in terms of, you know, ask the question, what is the closest position a human being can get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And I think this is one of the most powerful things in the life of Imam Ali alayhi salam, really, and it's not focused on enough. But you could see his relationship with Sayyida Fatima, peace be upon her, who had also a quite a difficult childhood in the sense of seeing everything that was happening around her, was this in the idea that we channel all that we have in the process of serving others, acts of kindness, doing good deeds in society, making a positive difference. And what that does is, in addition to the physical uh, healing that it helps us do, because then we're feeling, you know what, I'm making a difference. Yes, I went through something, for example, that was quite traumatic in my life, but today I'm making this past and I am actually doing something that will help others. And you'll feel amazing because the Quran, the Hadith tells us that's the closest position that human being gets to Allah when they place happiness in the hearts of others. And the breeze that we feel, we feel happiness, that apparently comes from uh, paradise. And uh, final point I'd mention um, very, very quickly in this particular regard is the importance of, you know, uh, society or community coming together in providing platforms for people who've gone through these experiences to be able to ha open up and to share in support of others. Society, unfortunately, and sometimes our communities are very judgmental. They're very quick to say, oh, why? And so on and so forth. And people are afraid to talk about their past experiences, but we need to be able to utilize what they've gone through in terms of helping others who may be suffering at the same time. MashaAllah, thank you. Hearing how Imam Ali, also known as the father of orphans, faced his adversities can teach us patience, generosity, and courage. So thank you to both Sister Leila Naji and Sheikh Muhammad Al-Hili for your insightful words and how you expanded on childhood trauma and how it can affect people and how we can learn to face it as well. It was a delight moderating this event. Thank you so thank much. Thank you very much. Thank you.